0: Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
1: Good afternoon and happy holidays to all who are listening. I hope that your holidays are peaceful and lovely and sweet and ones that are be- very memorable. However, I know, as you all know, that that's not always what happens. As a matter of fact, what I hear in my private practice is that Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter, and all those other holidays are times of great family angst. Where When we get together with family members, we end up back in the same old dysfunction that we were always in, and we end up um, reliving some of that drama and trauma. That said, however, uh, I think that there's others of us in this world right now at Christmas time that are not only at Christmas and Hanukkah and other celebratory times that are not only uh, having to deal with maybe perhaps dysfunctional family issues, but dealing with real traumatic events, real frightening events such as job loss or, you know, uh, having been shot or having been uh, molested or raped in some kind of way, having had some terrible trauma happen to them right here at Christmas, the death of a loved one. Uh, I very often hear about people that have had the uh, the loss of a loved one right around Christmas time, and it makes Christmas uh, sort of tainted ever after that by that memory. Uh, And and I think that that's an important thing for us to remember, that though we would all like to have our holidays be sweet, wonderful times of union and, and clarification of our love for each other, they are often not that at all. But, lest I depress everybody here today, what I want to talk about is uh, that we can actually go through these times of trauma and drama and fear and loss and still have peace that's that's been the big issue A lot of the seekers spiritual seekers uh, in the world today are seeking that peace that sense of I'm okay, regardless of what happens. Not just I'm okay, but I'm okay and in peace, with, at one with the divine energy, whatever each person individually calls that. So, so that that is our drive, that is our, our our desire to move forward into that peace. We often are stymied in that when life events come up that frighten us, scare us to death, in fact. Um, so we, so the purpose here today is to talk about what are we going to do when those events come up and scare us to death and we don't know how to access our peace again. First, we have to know how to access it in the first place. And second, we need to learn something about that adage that we've heard so much about in the New Age New Thought movement. Perfect love casts out fear. Um I think what we want to do first, though, is talk about how fear impacts us. And then we're going to talk about some uh, fallacies we have about what perfect love actually is and how it casts out fear. So I want you to stay with me the whole time and and really let's try to get a grip on this thing. So here's what we're saying. Fear has a major impact on us. When we go through a grievous experience like the loss of a loved one, it also trips up that fear. It, It says to us, Who am I now? Now that I don't have this person in my life, what is going to be the impact on me? How will I be okay without them? What will I do with my daily routine without this person in my life? What will I do with this pain? Those are all fearful responses to the pain itself. And therefore, because we have fear, we interpret the pain to be worse because there's fear associated with it. Pain uh, in and of itself is that feeling of, of loss, is that feeling of uh, intense desire that cannot be met, that meets the rock hard wall. The intense desire to have that person stay in our lives meets the rock hard wall of reality that no, that person is no longer in the physical realm. So uh, some spirit people would say, well, okay, we can still contact them in the spirit world. We can still make contact and we can still have some kind of dynamic relationship with them even in the spirit world. And then there's those other people who say, well, okay, that might mean you're a little bit on the crazy side. So we don't want to be going around telling everybody that. So we have these quiet little conversations with the people that we've lost who are, have moved transitioned to that other world beyond this one and uh, we we keep that quiet. We don't tell a whole lot of people about that. But sometimes some of us have had some pretty major experiences with regard to the loss of a loved one, and and, and those experiences have been recordable and documentable. Um, so there are there is that we do have to consider that also. So but when it comes to fear, what do we do with that? What do we do when intense fear comes up? sometimes as related to a circumstance and sometimes unbidden that just it just arrives at your door fully unwrapped your Christmas present this year is a big wad of fear what are you going to do about that well most people would say don't be afraid you know there's a lot of places in the Christian Bible where angels come to visit um, people and their first response is fear not be not afraid those kinds of things and we hear that and we go, okay, well, I'm not really supposed to be afraid. And with our current understanding of the law of attraction, we say, well, okay, if, I'm, if I've am if i got a fear, well, that means I'm attracting frightening things, so I need to stop being afraid. Yeah. Of course, I would disagree with that, as you all know from my uh, book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. But uh, that said, I think that we do have the fear of the fear. We do have a fear that says, if I'm afraid... I will, I'm causing worse problems. I'm making it worse for myself. So I'm just not supposed to be afraid. So then what do we do with that? What do we, how do we say, don't be afraid? How do we look inside of ourselves and say, just calm down, would you? <laughs> you know, I, I want to ask all of us to think about those times when somebody has said to us when we're really afraid or when we're really mad, just calm down, just calm down. Would you settle down? <laughs> what happens for most of us is we get mad or we get madder. And so that's not really going to help us to say it to ourselves either. We're just going to make ourselves mad or madder. And so that's not going to be the solution to just say, stop being afraid. Another solution that a lot of people come up with is uh, that we need to uh, think positive thoughts. You know, just think positive thoughts and the fear will go away. So we say the fear ought to go away. That's the goal is for the fear to go away. And if I think positive thoughts, then the fear will go away and I won't be afraid any longer. Well, I have serious questions about that as well. For example, if I'm afraid, and as I've said this analogy before, if I'm standing in the middle of the street and a Mack truck is coming, I pretty much need to be afraid. (laughs) And I need to operate as if that fear has a valid intention to get me out of the street. And it does. I'm supposed to get out of the street not get run over by the Mack truck. If I didn't have any fear that comes up and says, oh, my gosh, that truck is about to hit me, then I would keep standing there and the truck would hit me. So we we do need a modicum of fear, and it is a part of our internal response system that says, hey, wake up. Look at this. Um, and we, we, we have that feeling, and we name it fear. And we've called that feeling a negative feeling. And a lot of the work you've heard about in the New Thought New Age movement says if you're afraid, then you're attracting bad things into your life. So really, you need to you need to work on that. So fear is a biggie. Um, and so, but the way fear impacts us individually is different for each person. I ask people all the time, where is that fear in your body? Most people tell me it's somewhere between their solar plexus and their lowest chakra, the first chakra. So somewhere in the abdominal region, most of us carry our fear and, and that fear sort of bounces around in there and joggles around and, and, and informs our decision-making. It informs not only how we look at other people, how we interact with other people, how we, uh, how we walk, how we talk, the tone of our voice. It also impacts how we feel about life in general. Is life a good thing or a bad thing today? Well, if I'm feeling afraid, life is probably interpreted to be a bad thing today because I don't like that feeling. It's uncomfortable. In fact, large numbers of us have, have carried uh, a big knot of fear around in our stomachs or in our abdominal areas somewhere in between the first and third chakras uh, for a large portion of our lives. We came from traumatic environments where chaos and abuse and trauma was a constant daily activity, and we always lived on the edge of wondering whether somebody was going to die that day, and we carry that fear around in us like a big, bad, black thing sitting there right on top of our chakras, and so we don't really know what to do about that fear. You know, you could say, well, let's go to a healer and have the healer, healer remove it, but uh, is that going to really work if we, if we aren't even conscious of what's driving the fear? I think we'll come back to it. I think we'll go to the healer and it'll work for a little while and then we'll come back to it because we haven't really resolved it. We just made it go away. We repressed it. We agreed with the healer that it shouldn't be there. So we told ourselves it's not there and it went away in, into the unconscious. So, you know, what happens then is we, we develop stress-related diseases. We uh, develop a certain gait. We develop a certain mannerism. We develop a certain way of interacting. We develop a certain habits of relationship that may or may not be effective. Uh, we develop all of this in response to that big bolus of fear that's sitting down there on our first, second, and third chakras. And we we don't know what else to do. We just cope. We just hang in there and we cope. And so fear begins to dominate more and more of how we interact. What if, what if, what if? Well, I have to do this because if I don't do that, this will happen. And we're making our decisions based on fear, based on that sense of have to. Most of our have to's, our should's, and our ought to's are based in fear. Because if I don't, then what will happen? And one of the biggest of those is if I don't, I'll feel really bad. If I don't do this, I'm going to feel like a really bad person. So I better do it and just not have to deal with that feeling. So we, we can drive ourselves with fear in very subtle ways that we don't even understand. But we don't know how to get rid of it either. We don't know what to do about it. And and so it takes a bigger and bigger toll on our lives without us understanding what to do about it. Well, in the next segment, we're going to start talking about what we can do about it. We've heard some potential suggestions here that might not work. But we are going to begin to to assess what might work. So stay tuned for that.
0: awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network
2: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences' research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care.
0: Four seven two five seven nine five. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And we're back with more. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, as you've just heard. The Institute is dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchells, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org, and I would really encourage you to do that. There's a lot of exciting things happening on that page. So we're talking today about fear, trauma, drama, and peace. And those things all put in the same uh, sentence or phrase seem to be oxymoronish, but actually they can operate simultaneously. In fact... What I began to learn a long time ago, and I will say to you that I am not completely done with fear in my life either. It does keep, it does rise up again. It raises its ugly head again, and I don't want to look at it any more than in the rest of us do. And I want there's a part of me that might want to resist it. Uh, but with, if I can sit with it and, and listen to it, then, I, then it does begin to uh, receive that perfect love that we talk about. And I'm going to talk some more about how that happens so I will say to you that the teacher most teaches what the teacher most needs to learn. And uh, so I also need to learn this, and we all need to learn this. So I'm, I'm not saying I have completely arrived at a fearless state, but I do have a lot less fear than I used to have. And I do, uh, I do know that when fear raises up again, that it's here to teach me something really beautiful and important. So... Uh, so I have that going for me now, whereas once upon a time, I, was, I carried a big bolus of fear around in my first, second, and third chakras and was really uh, stymied by it as well. So I do understand fear, and I do understand the difference between when I've lived in fear and when I'm not living in fear. So that's why we're talking about this today. And I can say to you, even in, recently in my life, things might have come up that have said, oh, be afraid, Andrea, be really afraid, be really afraid. You really should be really set yourself up to get that armor out and get that sword and that shield out and go for it. You know you need to do that um, and uh, there are times when you might need some armor and you might need a shield i'm thinking less and less about that sword, but uh, <laughs> I think that I think that uh we do need to be aware of where our boundaries are and that, and you know, we do need to be aware of where we're putting ourselves out there for other people to feast on. Uh, so we do need to be aware and that we do need to protect ourselves in those ways. And our fear can help us do that. So just telling our fear to go away is not the answer. We don't need to just say, go away. I don't want to hear from you. We need to say, okay, I want to hear from you and I want to hear what you're saying to me. And, uh, you know, we need to be able to understand that piece before we can move on to the next piece. Because the next piece is going to be for us to understand what is meant by that strange statement perfect love casts out fear. And we're going to be talking about that in the next segment. But for this segment, what I want to talk about is what do we do with fear when it comes up? What do we do with a traumatic event that we associate with fear, a traumatic, dramatic event that we associate with fear? Well, first of all, one of the things that we, we do right up front is we say that external event has caused my fear. That is false. No external event can create an internal event. The internal events come from inside of us. They don't come from outside of us. So regardless of what's going on outside of us, it's going on outside of us, and it is not going on inside of us unless we attribute it power to create something new inside of us. So if we have a dramatic event, say somebody threatens our job and we think, oh, my gosh, I'm about to lose my job. And we say, I should be very afraid. I should go to war. I should duke it out. I should kiss up. I should do something to protect myself from this. Well, maybe some of that's true. But before we go off half cocked there, we might need to stop and listen to the fear and hear what it's saying. Because some of that fear could be just ancient fear about survival. Um, we we have all been born into a world where duality reigns we have been born into a world where we all believe that we are here separate and and constantly divided from the divine we believe that there is no help for us here except that which we beg for or we give ourselves so we find that i find that we are often praying for god or the gods or allah or Krishna or somebody to intervene on our behalf when in fact, if we could see ourselves as one with the divine, we would intervene on our own behalf, um, and it would be not it would be effortless effort. It would not be done by uh, that part of us that identifies itself as split off from the divine, but it would be done by that that divine within us, and it is a, as an effortless effort. So, um, so that that piece is there, but we have to be able to deal with the fear first. And what that means is, what I don't mean by dealing with the fear, that term dealing with sounds like you're going to yank it up and have a talk with it and send it to its room and that'll be the end of that. But actually what I mean is that uh, we need to hear it, hear it as if it's a little child because it very often is. And we need to maybe do some image work. Uh, Carl Jung talks about active imagination and I use that quite often in the work that I do with my clients whereby someone might say, um, have been through some traumatic experiences as a child and have that little voice inside of them that's always saying, oh, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. And from that little voice, what happens is that uh, the person uh, activates fear instead of of recognizing that that's a a voice from the past and hearing it and taking it in your arms as as if it is the little child you once were and holding it tight. And then saying to yourself, okay, now what do I feel? If, I, if my fear is also on the adult level, I may have the fear coming from the child inside me. I may have the fear also coming from the adult in me. Then I can sit in the lap of my divine self, my sense of myself as a divine being, the universal energy, whatever you want to call that. I can sit in that lap and I can, we can all three sit there together. I recently worked with someone who was saying that one of the things they did was the little child in their imagination, they did this active imagination work whereby the little child was asked to speak and all the little child could do was howl and she howled into the abdomen, literally into the abdomen of the adult person and then the adult person howled into the mouth of an image that she had created of a divine sense of self and so That howling went on for a while. There was a a, a trip, a double howling. The child and the adult were both howling into this uh, um, place where they could let it go, release it, open it up, you know, hear from it. And as they did that, the fear subsided and peace began to take over. So that was just a raw fear that was not based in anything else but ancient archetypal kinds of survival needs, the, the the fear that I don't exist, the fear that if I do this, I won't exist, the fear of annihilation, the fear of 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 loss, of devastation, of trauma, of more drama, of, you know, all of that. It was just in there like a big ball, and it just sat there and sat there and sat there until it was given a voice, and what happened was some external events came up that allowed that person to go, oh, okay, there's the fear, there it is. And okay, it's been in there all along, but now this external event has activated again. So now I've got this great opportunity to deal with it. I've got this great opportunity to hear from it and to take that raw energy and to turn it into something. So here's what happens as a result of that. The how becomes a roar. The how becomes a, a sense of yourself that says, I am. A sense of yourself that says, I exist. I'm real. I can really feel the energy of that fear, not just the fear itself, but the energy behind the fear. And now I can take in that energy that's behind the fear and use it for myself. And and that piece of work, transforming energy, is a big piece of what we do when we want to be a part of the divine self, the divine self which... In, in, according to my work and according to what I believe is always within us. And each of you have to decide what you believe about that. But I believe that the divine self is who we actually are. We just don't know it. And when we can utilize the energy behind any emotion whatsoever, be it fear, anger, sorrow, um, love, whatever, anything, any feeling we have, we use the energy that is the force behind that emotion, then the emotion transforms into the energy itself so then the howl becomes a roar and we begin to be able to say i exist i'm here i'm going to be able to make it through this and i'll be all right because from that peaceful place of transforming energy we regain our sense of who we are as divine beings so i would say that that is the first step in dealing with any traumatic uh, event Now, of course, the first thing, in, I'll, I'll, re, I'll redo that. Let me redo that. First thing in any traumatic event is probably going to be to get through the event itself. But it isn't during the traumatic event very often that we have these terrible feelings of fear. Sometimes people just collapse into fear during a traumatic event. But I find that most people respond to the, to the traumatic event in some kind of way. They step up to it in some kind of way. They step on the brakes if it's a potential automobile accident. They, you know, steer the car in the right direction to avoid hitting that pedestrian. They, you know, if there's something, uh, something traumatic that's happened in front of them, they may give CPR or, you know, they deal with it. They're there. They're doing it. But after the trauma is over, then they begin to feel this terrible, terrible, terrible fear. So what's happened is they suspended the fear long enough to get through that moment of the trauma, and very often the trauma is only a few moments. But then they they have the fear afterward, and in, in those events where trauma is elongated over a, a child's lifetime, where perhaps a kidnapping has happened and, and the trauma is elongated, they, they – There are periods of collapse and periods of dealing with it, periods of collapse and periods of dealing with it, sometimes in that kind of scenario. But after it's over, after the trauma is over, regardless of its length, what happens is then we have all the adjustments to the trauma, and that's what's called post-traumatic stress disorder. So then we're like living in this state of fear that it's going to happen again. And that fear that it's going to happen again it, at first it 's unrealistic you 've already survived it once, so <laughs> it 's not likely to happen again, and second, you survived it, and uh, so you know you can survive it again. Of course, that rationale doesn 't always work to make the fear go away, and making the fear go away is not the object of the game. The object of the game is to hear from the fear what um, what what energies, what animalistic energies are coming up in that fear. That just have to do with oh my God I've got to live I've got to live I've got to live What is that? What? Let's hear from that Let's hear from that lengthy desire to live because that's where the energy transforms from fear to desire and that's what we're looking for is that that shift into a, and it's not a shift in the actual uh, the actuality of the the feeling itself because the feeling was always just energy. It's a shift in how we're interpreting that feeling. So now it's no longer called energy. It's called desire. I mean, it's no longer called fear. It's called desire. So we, so that, that transformative moment when we begin to allow the fear to speak, and just like that woman, that great image where the child was yelling into the abdomen of the, of the chakras, the lower chakras of the woman, and the woman was howling into the mouth of this supreme being or this divine energy that she imagined, that that transformation occurs at a very base level and it begins to to become something different from a, a howl to a roar from fear to desire along those lines so we're going to talk some more about how that transition takes place and we're going to define what we mean when we say perfect love casts out fear don't miss it
2: Awakened media for a transforming
0: world. Seventh Wave Network.
2: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care.
0: wellness network awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network you're listening to authentic living with andrea matthews
1: And we're back talking today, just before Christmas, about fear, drama, trauma, and peace. Um, when we think about the story of Christmas, what what is represented by the story of Christmas, where Jesus was supposedly born in the manger, and and there was great peace given to the world because of his birth, um, I see that as a metaphorical story that has to do with the birth of peace, and ha- that birth can occur in any of us at any point at any time, and But we have to be able to uh, work with fear in order to do that. We have to be able to hear from fear. We have to listen to what it has to say to us. First, because it might be saying something really smart, like get out of the road if there's a truck coming. But it also might be saying that we've got some ancient stuff in there that's been sitting there waiting for address. And it's never been looked at because... We've stuffed it and stuffed it and stuffed it for so long that it's just become this big enormous ruler of our lives in so many subtle ways that we don't even know it. And what we said in the last segment was that um, we, that listening to that fear allows us to let it speak to us, even if it can't use words, even if, like we said in the last segment, it becomes just a howl. It's just a howl. So we have to be able to hear from it. And a lot of the new age, new thought talk out there is is telling us don't hear from it. Because if you hear from it, you're having negative feelings. And those negative feelings might keep you from having your dream. And I will say that if you don't hear from it, then you don't even know what your dreams are. (laughs) Because you don't know yourself at all. So I would say that 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 is a misdirection. And, uh, and you get to decide for yourself what you believe, but I believe that's a misdirection. So So okay, what about this whole adage that we've heard about that's written about in the Course in Miracles? It was written in first uh, John in the Bible. "Perfect love casts out fear. What does that mean? First, there is a casting out there that we hear about. And, we're, and and again, I would say it's not getting rid of fear that we want. It is is being able to hear fear and let it transform, into its ultimate energy, which turns out to be divine energy. So so that word casting out doesn't necessarily mean that we're trying to get rid of it. But uh, we don't want to live in fear. None of us want to live that way. So there is some kind of change, some kind of casting out, I guess, that occurs there. But the word perfect does not mean perfect like we think it means. It doesn't mean... Uh, Sinless, it doesn't mean it has no mistakes, it doesn't mean that it's always doing the right thing. What it means is complete. That word perfect means complete. Complete love casts out fear. Well, you can understand that if you've got complete love, well, then you can't be afraid because you know that you're totally loved. But most of us don't hear it that way either. Most of us hear that when we love perfectly, we are we cast out fear, and we've got this whole thing of love. Kind of confused, I think, because what we think of love, when we think of love, we think of giving it to other people, that we should give it to other people. And there's this big, big should on us all the time. We should be loving and kind, and we should be giving and generous, and we should be unselfish, and we should even be selfless. And that big should is telling us how we ought to love and what love ought to look like. That is not the definition of perfect love or complete love. Because in a dualistic world, nothing can be complete because everything is divided off from its primary energy, primary and primal energy, which is divine energy. So if we live in a dualistic world in which we are, our consciousness is separate completely from that sense of ourselves as divine, then how will we come from that dualistic trance state, as I call it, in which everything is separated from the divine and somehow magically produce that sense of love that is so pure and so true that it never misses its mark. How will we do that if it's not going to be able to come from divine energy? Well, I mean, we know most of us call ourselves some kind of screw-ups down here. (laughs) We, We don't always know in this dualistic frame of reference what we're supposed to do about anything. And most of us spend a good portion of our lives trying to figure out what we're supposed to do about this, that or the other in our lives. Today, tomorrow, or the next day. What what thing has come up that day to to call us back to what should I do about that? And and so we spend a big portion of our lives asking that question and trying to come to some sensible answer that makes sense to us. And many of us spend inordinate amount of time obsessing over what we should and shouldn't do about a given scenario uh, that pops up in our lives at some point um, from anywhere from taking a job to marrying someone to buying a car to any, you know, there was some of us get obsessive about any kind of thing we're going to purchase so that it has to be completely perfect before we'll purchase it. So, you know, that, that idea about what we should do, what we ought to do is a big, big, big block to us being able to see that there is another place within us, a, A a divine self, a sense of ourselves that does not come from duality, that comes from wholeness, that comes from complete union with the divine. And if that becomes a part of our definition of love, then love is not something we give. Love is something we get. Love is something we receive from the divine self. It is something that encompasses us. As a matter of fact, there's a place in the Bible that says that God is love, and there's another place in the Bible that says God is an all-consuming fire. And uh, so if those two definitions are put together, you might come up with something like God is an all-consuming fire of love. And if if it's all-consuming, then it consumes all of us. It will ultimately consume every aspect, including the part of us that thinks it's separate from the divine, that identifies as separate from the divine. And so ultimately that is perfect love and that is how that fear doesn't, doesn't exist in that realm because it, it is completely unified with the divine and the divine is all-consuming love. So that is perfect love. If I am completely one, if I know myself to be completely one with the divine – and let me, let, me see, let me show you how I changed that. I said, if I am, and then I said, if I know myself to be, l- let me explain what I mean by that. I already am completely one with the divine. The divine is all there is of me. Every molecule of my body is divine. Every thought in my head comes from divine energy. Every emotion I feel is a divine energy. Maybe I've twisted it from that duality trance state into something not that doesn't feel so pleasant and, and may take over my life and keep me living, making my decisions based on fear. But that's because I've twisted it. I have turned it into something else based on the information I have that I got from my world about duality. So... But I already am divine. Everything in me is divine. Everything in me is divine energy. But I don't know myself always to be divine energy. And that is where fear comes into play. So if I am divine energy, then fear is not, it just is an energy. It's part of an energy. It's a part of that energy. And so that's where when we go back to the last segment, we talked about the howling, you know, We talked about how howling can transform to roaring and, and fear can transform to desire. What we're talking about is when we recognize that everything we feel, everything we are, everything, we, everything in our existence is divine energy, then fear is just another divine energy. And we can look at it from that perspective and see that fear is just, it's just that energy. What we're doing with it is what makes the difference. And so, if we do with that energy something that is dualistic uh, from a sense that we are divided up into different segments uh, of ourselves, split off from the divine energy within us, then we, then we will turn, turn it into fear. It will become fear and it will take its whatever measure we give it. So, there is a divine self within me and recognizing that that peace is how perfect love. Uh, casts out fear so perfect love is the all-consuming energy of the divine it consumes everything and if I begin to meditate on that fact then my fear goes down exponentially I would challenge each of you right this second to close your eyes and imagine that you are completely one with the divine in every aspect of your being good bad and ugly every aspect of your being is ultimately just divine energy and if you can imagine that, just for a minute, feel how that sort of makes everything sort of calm down in there a little bit. But better than that, better than just calming down, there is a peace. Some people in, in old-time religion, Christian religion, used to talk about it as that peace that passes understanding. And there is a kind of peace like that. It does really exist. And some of you have accessed it. Some of you have felt it. Others of you have not. But I'm here to tell you, it does exist. And how I know it is it exists in me. I feel it. And the more I meditate on, on that all-consuming love of the divine that just is me. It is me. It carries me and it is me. It is effortless effort through me. It is me. So it, it, it acts as me. It doesn't take away my individuality to, to say that I'm divine. The divine is that individuality. So as I, as I meditate on that, what happens is my... Chakras, my lower chakras begin to be filled up with this inordinate amount of really warm um, deep deep seated peace it's almost like you can hear the hum of the universe in that peace it's almost as if you' the stillness that is found in in the the world of divine self encompass, begins to encompass every aspect of you so that you can feel it moving down your body, moving down your legs, moving up into the upper chakras, you begin to feel it. And that piece does pass understanding because it's not something that we can say, oh, I understand why that's happening. I get it. I did this and this and this. I made this happen. So we're going to talk some more about that when we come back from the break in just a few minutes.
0: Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
2: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness
0: That's one You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And we're back with our final segment. We've been talking today about fear, drama, trauma, and peace. And what we've discovered thus far is that a... We can live our lives dominated in subtle ways by fear and that it, it can start when we're very young, when we begin to a- access that part of us that says, be, be afraid that you're not going to survive. And that can grow and grow and grow. And the more we tell ourselves, don't be afraid, the more it grows because every time we're pushing energy down into the unconscious, it's just sitting in there growing. And it's not being allowed to release. It's not being allowed to be heard. It's just imprisoned in there, and it continues to grow. Whereas, if we begin, as we said in the second segment, to hear our fear, not tell ourselves to stop being afraid, but to hear our fear, then we begin to really hear what it has to say to us. And sometimes it's saying that we need to get out of the street because there's somebody, there's a truck coming. And sometimes it's saying to us that... We, uh, that there's an ancient fear in there that's been sitting down in the first, second and third chakras, uh, that have, has just sort of permeated a sense of ourselves so that we now make decisions out of our fear. We now walk from a fearful gate. We now talk from a fearful response. We now interact with other people in all of our relationship dynamics from a base of fear. And we don't even know that's happening. Why? Because we've never heard our fear before. And the more we begin to hear our fear, the more we begin to be able to shift and change and transform those dynamics in the world in terms of the way we walk and interact with other people and our jobs and our, and our work and how we think of our lives in terms of shoulds, have-tos, and ought-tos or freedom to move. Uh, the shoulds, have-tos, and ought-tos come from fear. They come from a base of fear. If I don't do this, then this is going to happen. And so that, that fearful base can run our lives. Whereas if we begin to hear our fear, then we begin to be able to say, oh, okay, well, I can shift and change how I, how I'm looking at that because that fear is something that came from my childhood and it's still sitting in there and I've just never heard it before, but it really has nothing to do with what I'm doing today. So I need to hear it and, and let it express and let's, let's get on with that. Okay, so there's that. Then we also talked about what the definition was of perfect love. and What we discovered was that perfect love is not uh, some kind of way that we give to others, but rather it is a state of being in which we begin to see ourselves as the all-consuming love of the divine, which is consuming us constantly, slowly, incarnation after incarnation. We're being more and more consumed by this love and meditating on that fact. And, and, you know, you get to decide whether or not I'm calling it a fact, but you get to decide whether or not you agree with that. I'm using my own language here, but if you decide you don't agree with it, fine, that's okay. But, uh, you know, if you meditate on that fact that it's, that we are divine energy, and that everything we are doing, saying, thinking is a form of divine energy, that yes, we can reinterpret that around the duality trance state to make it into fear or to make it into into something else that says respond this way to life but actually the baseline energy of everything we are is divine energy so if we can meditate on that then we begin to feel that peace that passes all understanding begin to take over and it it the description that I have as of it is it feels like you are a part of the hum that is universal energy. It feels like it's humming through you. It, it feels like when I look out into the woods, and I happen to have woods in my backyard, which I love. Um, and I look out into the woods in my backyard, and I very often sense this very deep, peaceful stillness that is coming out of that natural energy that is the trees that are growing back there and i can't explain that anyway except to say i see the soul of the tree i see what what that tree really is at its baseline energetic force and and that seeing is what we all will we will as we evolve into our truest selves as divine beings we all come to see the baseline energy of ourselves and everything around us as that divine energy and then That energy takes over even our fear. Our our fear transforms into its baseline, which is divine energy. So that we don't, we're not feeling run by our fears. We're not, it's not to say that that fear doesn't come up. I think it does. I think it might continue to as long as we live in this dualistic trance state in which we all live right here, right now. Because all of us as a collective have not yet come to terms with the fact that we are one with the divine, we all still live in that dualistic trance state to some degree or another. But over time and incarnations, we begin slowly to evolve more and more into who we are as divine beings. And that process is going to continue until everything is consumed in the all-consuming love of the divine. So everything that happens in our lives that seems to be a frightening event, a traumatic event, a dramatic event is really at its baseline, peace. Now, I can say that to you till I'm blue in the face, but but unless you really can experience it, it means nothing. So anything I say to you comes from my own experience, and, and I cannot give this to you. If I could, I would. But I, I would say to you that you can do the work of being able to hear your fear, being able to just sit with it and allow it to express in whatever form it wants to express, so that, you begin to understand it, envelop it, take it in your arms, embrace it, love it, because it's a part of, of you that's been left behind, that you need. And then as you do that, you begin to hear more and more of its its real essence. And its real essence is divine energy. So then you've transformed the fear into what it really is, which is divine energy. And then you walk a different way and you talk a different way and you relate a different way and you do your job a different way and you come to, from another place inside of you. Rather than coming from that fear, you're coming from this other place inside of you that recognizes divine energy in all things. So that's what I think we need to do about fear and these traumatic events that happen and they happen to all of us and they will continue to happen as a part of this dualistic trance state that we're in and we will continue to be shocked by them and and we will have, we'll reel a little while and then we'll, okay, now what do I do? Um, That is is going to be a part of what we're experiencing here as long as not all of us yet know ourselves to be divine beings and the majority of us, I would say, don't know that. We are all divine beings but uh, the majority of us don't recognize that as a reality. Am I saying I'm somehow superior to those who don't recognize that? No, not at all. I I don't know why I've been so blessed to f- to figure that out. But I can tell you I had my own set of traumas and dramas and my own uh, uh, set of really, really very, very difficult things to walk through. And uh, to the point that it almost came to a, a death experience for me. And uh, that became, that was a shift for me, a major shift for me when I... When I asked Universal Energy, put me in the now, I cannot experience my life. There is a gauze between me and all of my experiencing life, and I must get beyond this gauze, or I will have to die. And when I asked that, I got an answer. And the answer was, okay, here you are in the now. I had this new experience of myself in the present moment. And that's all I can tell you. That I can't explain why I got that except to say that I asked for it, and I got it. And... And I feel very, very blessed that I got it because I don't know. I probably wouldn't have lived through that if I hadn't. Um, but I did get it. And, and because I got it, I want to share it. And so all I can do is give words, the best words I can to, to you as my listening audience and to my readers and to those that I work with to say there is such a thing as a piece that seems to pass all understanding. It, 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 can arise in your lower chakras it can arise into your upper chakras it can begin you can begin to feel it in the molecules of your body you can begin to come from it you can begin to make your decisions from it instead of making your decisions from fear in little ways you don't even recognize it is possible to do that it is possible to live a life where you are less and less encumbered by duality and more and more aware of who you are as a divine being that is possible, and that's what I want to give you to you as my Christmas gift to you today. Open that gift. It is within you. And next week, we're going to be talking about beginnings, and maybe that will be, that will be a continuation of this episode today. In the meantime, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.